Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tax Security Podcast. This is episode number 59, and today we are going to be talking you, to, with you about the Cisco DevNet certification. So the DevNet certification came out uh, in the past couple years. It's something that's been in development for a while. We're really excited to go through it here today with a couple special guests. One of our guests, Nick Conroy, is a returning guest. He's been with us before to talk about CCIE certification. So we're happy to have you back, Nick. And we have a first-time guest in Prerna Sivadas. So welcome aboard, Prerna. She is one of our senior engineers based out of our Richardson TAC team, supporting firewall technologies and, and has supported a lot of other ones as well. So to kick us off today, Prerna, why don't you go ahead and just start by giving us a little bit of background about yourself and what you're going to talk about today with the DevNet certification being in focus. Hey guys, this is uh, Prerna and um, I have been in uh, the Cisco, Cisco for the last five years. Uh, started with uh, the AAA tag team with ICE and uh, moved on to the firepower space for, uh, so been in the firepower for the last three years and uh, worked in the AAA team for uh, two years. And before that, I did uh, some automation that kind of helped me with uh, my DevNet certificate. Uh, certificate. So being in the wireless uh, engineering team with uh, the testing uh, in the testing space, and uh, we 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 did we did a whole lot of automation with uh, Python and um, and Perl and uh, PHP just uh, just to automate all the test cases makes it easier for the, the rest of the folks to you know click a button and test uh, our devices. So that's about me. Awesome. Well, thanks for that intro, Perna. Glad to have you on the show today. I'm really excited to talk about your journey with the DevNet certification and you know why why it's important for our listeners to con- consider it and how it can really help them in their career, as both personally and professionally, and moving forward to stay up to date with with what's going on in the industry. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, let's jump back over to you. Nick is one of our rockstar engineers as well, uh, here based out of RTP in North Carolina. Nick is a former, well, I guess not former, right? Once a Marine, always a Marine, right? <laughs> Simplify. Yeah, yeah. So, so Nick, go ahead and give us, a, give us a little background about yourself and what you're going to talk about here today. Yeah, so my name is Nick Conroy. I've uh, been at Cisco um, a little over two years now. Um, I'm a team lead for our high-touch uh, security team. Um, so in that space, we support... Um, and I personally support VPN, AAA, and uh, next-gen firewall um, on that team. Pretty much on that order for me. I'm a, a VPN primary guy. Um, I, like Kevin said, I'm a military veteran, and I think that certifications are amazing. It's a great opportunity, especially for our veteran community, to get a certification and exit the the military, um, you know, the Marine Corps or something, and attain, you know, really great gainful employment. Awesome. So thank you for that, Nick. And so let's just kind of jump right into the, the topics for today. Obviously, we're, we're here to talk about the DevNet certification. It's been, you know, sort of all the rage, you know, both within the TAC and within Cisco, as well as outside, right, in the real world where our listeners mostly live. And so <clears throat> let's talk a bit about, you know, what the DevNet exam is, right? We know that there are, there's the DevNet associate exam, there's the DevNet professional exam. And so let's talk about you know, what some of these topics cover. And although, you know, by no means do we want this to be sort of a marketing conversation, but we do want to talk about the various topics and technologies that are that are covered. And then more importantly, <clears throat> let's go into what, what sort of studying you all did and how, you know, how can our listeners benefit from your experience and, and going through and preparing for the exam topics? You know, maybe a bit about what the taking of the exam was like 
And then things that we have learned, you know, ultimately later on in the show, we want to talk about some anecdotal experiences we've had. I know all of us have had situations in the TAC and solving customer cases where a lot of the skills that are taught and learned in the Cisco DevNet certification really come to bear in, in solving these complex problems. It really saves us a lot of time and enable us to think a bit more innovatively as we, uh, you know, as we're moving to software defined networking, API, you know, first type products and things like that. So to get started in, in looking at the actual core topics of the exams, let's go ahead and start with the Cisco DevNet Associate Certification. And Nick, this one I understand is one that, that you went through and that you studied for and that you've since passed. Can you kind of talk us through a little bit about that experience? Uh, maybe go over some of the, the highlights of, the, of what the exam covers and you know, things you learned along the way that you could impart some of that knowledge to our listeners. Yeah, for sure. The um, the DevNet, I just decided to jump into that journey. Like I was, I was studying for my CCIE and the lab closed, and I said, "Oh, I'm stay at home, so let's just study for something new." Um, I opted to go for the associate exam first because, you know, being a traditional network engineer, I don't have a lot of Python uh, experience. You know, I did it in college and then didn't use it for years, so you lose it. Um, so. Overall, it's, it was a good reintroduction into some basic Python, some introduction into, you know, APIs. What I was pleasantly surprised with, um, because it played to my advantage, was the exam really is a, you know, it's, it's distributed by Cisco, a, a core, you know, a core networking company, right? And so there was a lot of really fundamental networking topics on the exam, like you really should know you know what a load balancer is, what a firewall is, what a gateway is, and and how those might apply to automation as well. So um, that played to my strengths. Um, study study wise, I used a few different resources. Um, other than you know being strong on the network side, I found a, a couple Plural site courses. One done by another Marine Corps veteran uh, and Cisco employee. employee. Uh, Nick Rousseau has a good uh, Plural site course, um, and they offer. In the month of April, they were free. So just, you know, for people out there who maybe their employer doesn't pay for things like that, um, Pluralsight has some promos and stuff on that as well. Um, and then the other resource, you know, Cisco really dumped a lot of development and time and energy into this DevNet. Um, so, you know, developer.cisco.com, you can get on that website. There are free labs, sandboxes, um, tracks that you can get into, um, classes. They have some webinars that they host and stuff. So if you follow that, um, I was able to engage in a lot of real hands-on fun stuff that I don't normally do, um, you know, and do some Docker labs that weren't necessarily part of the curriculum, but really helped enhance my learning process as I went down this path towards the associate exam. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. And and so just to add a little bit of sort of maybe higher layer color to that, you know, the DevNet is one of those things where a lot of times the, the whole, the, the topic is, is a little bit nebulous to some people, right? What is you know, DevOps, right? DevOps has takes on different meanings for different people in different, you know, segments of the, the industry. And so, you know, when we think of DevNet here, we're thinking about programmability of networks, right? Which comes through the use of things like you mentioned, like Python, like various scripting languages, using APIs, right? So that we can interact with devices programmatically, right? We don't have to go and use CLIs or use expect scripts and things like that, which are very clunky for various reasons, right? But the, the days of old, just to kind of give some background to our listeners is, you know, the days of old, we would log into 
uh, you know, a hundred or a thousand different routers, you know, configure the same ACL, you know, maybe we would script that out, right? Which sometimes worked, sometimes maybe would fail. And then you had half your routers with the ACL, half without, right? And so things were, things were clunky. And, you know, in this day and age with virtualization, now with APIs being virtually ubiquitous, we can interact a lot more effectively. And so the whole software defined networking, virtualization, you know, the use of scripting, uh, machine learning in a lot of cases all sort of converge now to provide us with what we now call, you know, DevOps in the development world and then DevNet in the more networking centric space. And so Nick, you said it really well, you know, what do we aim to accomplish with DevOps or with DevNet, I'm sorry. And, and that is basically, you know, we're turning the network into something we can program, right? Something we can maintain more efficiently. You know, networks are growing, expanding, you know, with, with the whole, the COVID situation, you know, the past year and a half, things have spread out a lot more. So now you actually, in some cases, have less in your core and more in the edges and, and out around in the cloud. And so this becomes even more and more of a challenge, right? You might have, now you might have, you know, 50 different perimeter firewalls in various cloud regions throughout the globe. And how do you manage those, right? And so this is really the crux and the core of what we're trying to accomplish with, with the DevNet certifications. And so you've got software development design using APIs, Cisco platforms. I'm just reading through the exam, you know, high level blueprint here, application deployment and security. And so we want to hit on security as well. Obviously this is a security podcast. And so a lot of this has significant implications in terms of how do you secure your network, right? We all know that as you're change, making config changes and trying to deploy, the more efficient you are at it, the more consistent you are at it, the less your security risks are as well. And so a lot of this has security implications to be sure. And then the, the automation part, of course, and, and that's, you know, we'll talk a bit more about that as we go. So uh, before we dive too deep into, you know, aspects of the blueprint and stuff, let's let's talk about the very, uh, let's continue the discussion about the various offerings, right? We've got DevNet Associate, we've got DevNet Specialist, and then there's a DevNet Professional Certification. And then in the future, <clears throat> excuse me, there are plans to have the expert level certification that's still in development today, you know, as of spring of 2021. Um, but we do know that's on the horizon, sort of the CCIE level uh, for for DevNet specifically. But Prerna, to bring you in um, to the loop here, my you know from our previous conversations, I know that you got the you were looking into the DevNet Associate certification, right? And then upon further review, you were like, I got this. This is sort of my I've got a lot of background in this area, and you decided to go ahead and go right into the specialist uh, into the specialist realm, and, and you nailed that one. Can you talk us through a little bit about your decision-making process leading up to that, and then what experience it was, what your experience was like going straight into the DevNet specialist exam. Yeah, Kevin. So, um, so the thing is that I'm I'm basically a software um, development guy, not not a core networking guy like Nick is. So uh, for me, it was so much easier uh, to get through all of these topics and understand what it actually means, and you know, to just pick it up from. Uh, from uh, you know a more more higher level than uh, associate because associate was like really basic for me and I've kind of done this I've worked on this as well so it um, and then when I looked up uh, looked up these paths it said that I didn't really have to do the associate to get to the specialist so uh, it was not a prerequisite for me to uh, do the uh, do the specialist so I decided let me let me go ahead and try uh, doing uh, the specialist directly. And uh, because the associate was more like very, uh, it was honestly very basic uh, on you know what Python is, and if you're a, if you're a very uh, if you're a code networking guy, it's it is the 
path you want to definitely take because it gives you a lot of basic uh, idea of what the certification is, right? Uh, for for uh, the specialist, uh, the specialist was more had more of uh, programming, more of uh, Python, a lot of APIs. Though it says, uh, I think it says twenty percent of APIs, but every other twenty percent section also has a little bit of APIs. So when you com combine all of that, it's almost like you know seventy to eighty percent APIs. And uh, security does play a very, very important role here because I think like twenty percent of one of the one of the topics, another twenty percent is just security. So, um, so again, being in the security space, it was so much more easier for me to uh, relate to all these APIs that that basically was on the firewall section, um, and uh, and and it made more sense to me, uh, honestly. Uh, so, so I, I just got a little overconfident and I wanted to go to the professional route, but I had to do the specialist to go to the professional. And uh, I don't think I would have made it <laughs> to go directly to the professional. That's a hard exam <laughs> to get to. But uh, the, the specialist was uh, pretty easy if, you're, if you have a very uh, strong software background um, with you. So yeah, that's, that's probably why. Okay, so, so I guess, if I understood correctly, this to summarize that sort of if you've got a, a bit of a software development background, right? If you're already familiar with Python, you know what APIs are, you know the basics of sort of object-oriented programming and, and some of the more development-oriented topics. Mm -hmm. Then maybe the maybe the DevNet associate will be a bit remedial, right? A little a little basic, maybe even jump right into the specialist because there isn't a prerequisite, right? To go to the specialist, you can you can take it from scratch. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you, yeah, if you do have a little bit of background, uh, by all means, like, the specialist is going to be easy for you because uh, I, I, I just followed whatever is there on the on um, the developer.cisco.com, the blueprint there. I followed. They, they do have hands on labs, so it's not it's not very little. They, they do have uh, quite a bit of content in there. So I followed that. Um, I think there were a little uh, there were some topics like um, like the CI CD pipeline and uh, the Git and uh, that part that I haven't worked with and I had to. Uh, I had to kind of like you know Google and little learn, learn a little more about that, but apart from that, this was uh, pretty much what uh, was enough for uh, preparation. If if you have a software background, that is. Yeah, even on the on the associate level, you, you you they really like me. I don't do any software stuff, so it was real good introduction to me. In TAC, we do use some Git repositories and stuff. There's a technical leader. I work at a lot of projects with Jay Young and, and he'll share his repositories with me. And, and I, I've never been experienced in all these cool terms of branching and merging and, and pushing and all this stuff. And it's just not something I've had a background in um, when I'm just used to FTP and a, a file onto a Cisco ASA or something. So the associate level is really just an associate introduction to a wide range of technologies and topics. It's a very wide uh, breadth of to topics to discover and, and get kind of immersed, but it's a very um, entry level uh, introduction to those topics. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks to both of you for a bit more background, having actually taken the exams. I myself, um, and I don't even know if I introduced myself at the beginning of this podcast. Um, you know, my name is Kevin Klaus, uh, you know, um, but anyway, I myself have not taken these yet. So your experience is is extremely valuable i'm kind of poking at it from from the outside one thing i will mention that that's pretty cool about how this has all come to pass is that internally within cisco you know there's been this push for a while right we've 
you know, our listener, most of our listeners obviously wouldn't know this, but inside of Cisco, Cisco's got a pretty comprehensive learning, you know, program and development for for internal employees. And they've they've had this programmability and sort of API driven training for a lot of us internally for a long time. And so it's been really awesome to see that sort of transition into a consumable certification that has a lot of relevance and a lot of value in the industry. And so, you know, that being said, in the industry itself, I kind of hit, hinted on it a little bit already, but, you know, what are some things we could talk about, whether it's, and I'll start off the conversation, you know, why, why is DevNet so important? You know, I hit on some of it, but I'd like us to kind of dive in a little bit on maybe some anecdotal things, some ways that we've really benefited from the skills that have been learned here. And just to kick off that conversation, you know, I've been studying some 5G lately um, for, for, for various reasons in my career. And one of the things I've realized is how much the 5G technology actually really dives in and, and highly leverages the whole SDN concept, the, the use of APIs for radio access networks, for, for the controllers that, you know, that control the, the various radios on actual cell towers and the network slicing that goes into the virtualization for things like QoS and how do you make sure that you know first responders get priority access to the cellular networks in 5G you know how do you the 5G landscape has a such a huge uh, use amount of use cases when you talk about augmented reality and you talk about ultra low latency and 4K video streaming to you know millions of people in a concentrated area it's pretty daunting and and the way that a lot of that's accomplished is through you know segmentation through virtualization which relies on programmability right it relies on these APIs and so it all kind of converges into how do we adapt rapidly right and that's only through program programmability through you know API driven approaches and so really all this it's it touches networking it touches our storage our compute you know how we provision resources how we scale up scale down you know, for, for dynamic, you know, uh, adaptation to our, to our needs that, that change on a constant basis. So, you know, that's the world we live in and, and more and more so. So, um, so that's part of it. Have you guys seen uh, customers using these skills out there in the industry? What are people saying about it? Or are there certain situations that, that you all have seen in, in your experience in tech or working with customers where these skills are really valuable? Yeah, so I, I recently, probably just in the last few weeks, have worked a case where um, we needed to change a pre-shared key on like a thousand routers. And how's the best way to do that? And we're currently working with a customer and, and working on putting together a script that we can go in and change a pre-shared key before the rekey you know, happens. So, you know, they have a, a certain set period of time. And, and that conversation is, do we change the rekey time, then go in there and have the script change the pre-shared key? And then do we go and, uh, you know, test it? And how do we, how do we ensure, like Kevin said earlier, how do we ensure that that script ran and succeeded? And when that router rekeys, are we going to have a, a DMVPN down at, you know, a thousand locations around the world? And so that's been a fun project that I'm currently in the middle of um, that's been uh, part of my journey. And, and the a second one that I've really enjoyed working on and part of what I learned is in the DevNet track and, and security is, is just this, this 
the thing of containerization, right? And and the methodology of putting things into containers and sandboxing them. And so I've become a real big fan of, of learning and playing with Docker this year. Um, I've worked with Jay Young, uh, one of our technical leaders, a lot on using Docker containers to scale up 10, 20,000 AnyConnect sessions against a firewall uh, and pass traffic through it. And in the past, it's been real hard or you have to use really expensive equipment like a Terra VM that takes an expensive license. But with uh, a little bit of programming knowledge and knowing how to use Docker and some Linux skills and basically these core skills I got from taking this exam. Uh, in the past couple months, we've launched 10,000, uh, you know, Ike 2 sessions, SSL sessions. We've modified these scripts to, to just load test and replicate issues um, intact, whether it's a VPN session uh, database not replicating or DACLs not pushing from ICE to a firewall correctly. Um, now I'm trying to figure out how I can use Docker containers to simulate posture load against an ICE node. And so it's just a, it's a fun journey for me, but it has practical application. Uh, you know, we hit COVID and people are like, how can I load tests or know that my device can take these 10,000 sessions? Well, <laughs> use some Docker containers and let it rip. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it goes to some uh, goes to even basics of just uh, you know creating ACLs on a firewall, right? I I did come across a customer who had uh, who ha who wanted to create um, 300k ACLs on his uh, firewall just because he wanted to test if uh, his firewall could stand it, and in his future, I don't know, near future, wherever he is going to be. Uh, wanting to use something like that and then and and we had a whole project where we kind of you know uh, had apis run just just to create acls it kept creating acls still till the fmc broke down um and and you know and then uh, fmc and then you know we had we did come across other issues because we were literally you know stress testing the box but uh, but you know that was fun to see how uh, how how the device would react to you know something like this uh, also, I think also I had another case where, uh, you know, just something very simple. The customer wanted to know what, uh, how, how many users are logging into his box. That's all he wanted to know on a daily basis. And, um, and instead of just going in every day to gather the number of users or, you know, to see who's logging in, he, uh, we just got him an API script to, uh, to get, to get that value. Right. But I think firepower is very, very, very heavily, uh, based on the api so it's really easy for you know i mean with obviously with uh, learning through devnet and all of that it got really easy for us to get to that stage where um, you know customers where, where we are able to help the customer do this because initially if we you know a lot of us don't have that kind of skill so we would uh, we would just you know you know not have the skill to help the customer but with i think with this uh, but going through DevNet certification, that's really helped us a lot. Yeah, and that's a really interesting use case too, right? The, the whole testing and capacity planning aspect, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when you were talking, Fern, I just thought about another case where we had a customer, this was maybe a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, but still fairly recent. And it was a, a very large internet service provider and they were trying to test out their API stuff. and. So they were doing API calls using this ASA multi-context and they had a script and they were having some errors with the API calls inter intermittently. And so we used that the API call that they were doing and we used Python to basically put it into a giant loop and just hit the API subsystem of the ASA 
in multiple contexts, multiple times a second and just kept ramping up, right? It's real easy, you know, when you're using for loops and things to just crush it. And so, yeah, the, the cool part is the opportunities become virtually endless, right? You're not limited to, you know, a list of pre pre predefined testing methodologies or what's available in a GUI, right? You can, once you start using Python, even at just a relatively beginner, I'll call it, or, you know, very fairly basic level, the opportunities and things you can do with it are immense. You know, the ACL creation via, uh, via API, I think is fascinating because, you know, we've had customers do that too. Like how many, how many ACLs can I create? And it always varies, right? If you're, it's memory based, right? So if you have a lot of connections and they're competing for memory, that's a problem. So it's super, it's super uh, relative. And, but you can sit there and create a for loop with an API call to create an ACL and you could, max the thing out in just a few minutes like you can you know you can do those tests and, and derive a lot of value not just out of management right but out of yeah. testing before you even deploy something so you can answer a lot of these kind of abstract questions programmatically which is pretty cool so thanks for sharing that that's a that's a pretty pretty applicable use case and 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 to your point nick the the any connect thing i remember back in i think it was april last year and i may have mentioned this on our ccie related podcast but you know, like you just said, we had all these all these companies scaling up their AnyConnect sessions from like, hey, we had 10,000. Now we've got 200,000 people all needing to use AnyConnect. And we're having issues, you know, at certain times with certain applications. And man, some of these cases were virtually impossible to try to solve without, you know, going into the customer environment at peak times and running, you know, debugs or whatever, which can, you know, we all know can cause other impact, right? And so... Yeah, using the Dockerization of AnyConnect. So we had all these containers running AnyConnect, you know, in a lab, and we were able to reproduce some of that stuff and really get some more insight into what happens at very large scale. Stuff that maybe, you know, even a company like Cisco may not necessarily test all those all those scenarios, you know, and you can't possibly test everything the real world throws at you. And so it gives us a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, we had we had one one that I ran a ton of Docker's for a, a large company. It's one of probably the largest companies we work with that is a hundred percent IPv6 infrastructure, right? And so um, they're just you know as we transition to IPv6, they're you know we don't get as many defects or bugs or customers opening cases because not I mean t- to be frank, like not even 10% of my customers are using heavy, heavy IPv6 infrastructure. So we're able to, you know, run these load tests and, and find some issues with, you know, um, uh, logging, you know, logging to an external server using IPv6, just running any connect sessions and then generating enough traffic. We're like, oh, IPv6 is not logging the way we want it to. We can fi- get a fix created. And a couple weeks later, you know, that customer, they're happy. They've been fixed. We've uh, solved the problem that another customer can, can run into just based off of running this script that I just continue to use over and over. And I'm like, man, how can I find more ways to do the, do this script? Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things that and the more you do it, the more the more potential you see and the more exciting it becomes, right? And so, you know, for those of our listeners who are kind of out there like, oh, I'm not a programmer, you know, I don't I don't know about coding. You know, once you get some of the basics down, because I'm not either, right, Nick? I'm more in your camp. Like I've I've studied it in school and and I've done it here in the TAC the past eight or so years. But it's for me, it's mostly like ad hoc, you know, as needed. Okay, I need to go write something in Python to accomplish this, you know, specific task. That stuff is, you know, doesn't require you to be a professional software developer, right? It, it 
It really doesn't. And once you sort of get the the gist of how this stuff works, you can just build on it. And and before you know it, you're doing some pretty novel, very useful things with just a you know relatively intermediate or, or beginner intermediate level skills in the in the actual what we call programming, right? Is whether it's scripting or programming is all relative, but the the whole automation piece where you can really get a lot of stuff moving with uh, without necessarily having a ton of experience. So what are some of the things, you know, we, we just kind of talked about some of our anecdotal ex- experiences and obviously, you know, we're big fans of, of DevNet and the, the whole concept, right, that we're, that we're talking about here. What are some of the things that you guys have heard, either your customers or out in the industry? You know, is this, is this a niche thing you guys think is just going to be here and then, and then pass? Or do you really think this is the future? And what are some of the things, what's the word on the street that you're hearing, if you will? A, a, a couple of things. I, I train incoming people, right, coming into Cisco CXA students, um, and they're excited about it. You know, so when we're doing a training, they, they immediately come in and, and they've come from college or university or out in, you know, outside of Cisco and they're, they're coming in. So you feed off that excitement and I always I always try to give them a, an ICE API lab or a firewall API lab to do as part of their initial training because it's, it's newer and there's not a whole lot of work to be done there on an everyday basis, but I wanna keep feeding that excitement. Um, the second thing is we started like, you know, investigating doing this podcast. I, I was just looking around at, at, at some stuff in the industry, and what I saw was the people in the the IoT space are super excited because um, we have a specialization you can get in the IoT space, right? And so, whereas Cisco's been very traditional collaboration, security, service provider, this is kind of a newer space that that you know there's not a whole lot of like certifications or like industry credibility that someone can have but you go through this track and you get an iot or a security or even the the collaboration add-on certification it can give you some credibility as like a iot uh practitioner with you know who with some security knowledge as well i i think that's uh i read a couple blogs or comments that the IoT industry is super pumped about it. Yeah, I I think this is definitely going to be the future, right? I mean, when you can actually uh, click a button and get your stuff done and go home after that, you don't want to keep staying and doing like, you know, you don't want to keep reinventing the wheel all all through every time, right? I think this is definitely going to be a future. And um, and even in our security space, the amount we've kind of used used all of uh, these automation and APIs for, uh, I think it's incredible because, um, you know, when when we have, uh, like when we have crashes, just, just in case we have a crash, it's almost always a bug, right? Unless it's a new crash. Um, I mean, it's so easy now that you can actually detect what crash, what bug we are actually hitting with, you know, kind of a click of a button almost. Um, because, and you don't have to, you know, go read the entire crash, you know, find the bug and do the whole exercise all over again and it just makes it so much easier to resolve a customer's case and i think uh, this is definitely the future for us you know uh, it's here to stay for sure yeah I, I would certainly agree and it's it's interesting that you bring that up prerna in terms of you know giving our customers just a little glimpse into how you know we in the tech are leveraging this right i mean uh, when i joined cisco eight years ago ish um i guess it's getting close to nine now the, we we did a lot of stuff manually, right? We would get show texts, we would read through them, we would look at syslogs, and we would look at Wireshark packet. You know, we would do all the things that you know our customers do and they expect us to do. 
And then here we are, you know, less than 10 years later. And like you said, you know, now, especially now that we have APIs, right, we can go pull the show crash. We can throw it through a bunch of Python analysis that we've pre-written, you know, compared to signatures, already decoded crash tracebacks, figure out, you know, then cross-reference that, right, with the defect management system internally and look and see which one of these matches. Okay, great. If that's a match, right, where have we fixed it, right? So we have all that fixed in data and we, we you sort of start tying all these pieces together, right? So we're using that internally yeah. as well to solve our, you know, our listeners or customers problems, right? So we no longer have to go, oh, look, show crash. Oh, there is a crash. Oh, okay. So that's why it reloaded. Okay. Now we do go and decode it. And then now we eyeball it and try and look at the trace pack and see which one matches. And, oh, okay. We, we finally found the match. Maybe this is days later. And then we go and find, you know, where is it fixed in, you know, another manual process, right? And, oh, you know, a week or two later, we finally come back and say, hey, here's the crash. You know, this is what you need to do. And now, like, like you're saying, because of all of this programmability, you know, in the TAC, we've developed some tools of our own that enable us to do this often, like you said, in minutes or even seconds in some cases uh, to do all that analysis. And so, you know, we do that in the TAC, but customers can do that in their environments too, right? I mean, they can monitor their information depending on what API calls come back. They could fire off alerts, right? You can, mm -hmm. you so you can monitor your devices this way. So it's not just configuring the network, right? It's also spilling over into monitoring and things like that. And, and while you were talking, Perna, one thing I thought about, it's kind of like, you know, back in the day, we had all these laptops and all these different end devices. And when, and in the early days, you know, let's say 15, 20 years ago, maybe you'd have to like reinstall, you know, an operating system, you'd reinstall the programs. It was very tedious, very manual. Then we got to where we started imaging stuff. Right. And when you could just re-image a device, you know, it's a lot faster. That's kind of like VMs, right, versus a, a regular, you know, uh, bare metal system. And now we're in like the containerization microservices world where it's like, man, I don't even want to do that. Like that, even that's a lot. Right. Let's just spin up a service on demand. And in some cases, a function like Lambda and AWS and stuff like that. You don't even you're literally just virtualizing out a specific little function call. You're not even, you know, not even getting to the application level at that point. So we're getting smaller and smaller, which gives us more flexibility, more efficiency. And so it's kind of like the old trend that happened with endpoints is now spilled over into the network devices, right? Because network devices now, it's not one giant firewall and one giant switch, right? Let's talk about that just a little bit, like the, the distribution of and the decentralization, especially in the past year and a half of the network itself, right? And how that sort of pushed this absolute need for programmability to the forefront. Well, and I love that. And, I, and, and the fact that even in the last two years, right before COVID hit, we launched SecureX. And SecureX is, is uh, basically just a conglomeration of really cool API calls, right? And so I think as that grows, we're going to give customers even more single pane of glass visibility into their networks, like utilizing these API calls. So if, if there's something that a customer wants to be able to see, um, utilizing not very terrible, complex skill sets, we should be able to yank that from the from the machine that they're wanting to see. Endpoints as endpoints, when we start talking sassy and 100,000 endpoints out in the wild and being able to see those using AMP and these other products, it's, uh, I think that uh, SecureX is, is it's free for our, our partners and our customers. And it's an awesome tool set to be able to do that, you know, utilizing these skill sets moving forward. 
So yeah, so Nick, thanks for for kind of bringing SecureX into the conversation because we know that that, like you said, and I like the way you put it. You know, it's just a basically a conglomeration of just a lot of really cool API calls. So it's really just another example of how we can leverage all the programmability that's already been baked into our products for years now. And and Cisco's done a really good job with that. I remember when APIs were first introduced for the ASA. I think it was back in like nine two or something around those days. You know, good seven ish years ago, I think. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, it was kind of new to me at the time. And now here we are. Seven years is not very long. Um, but in that amount of time now, everything is API driven. And I think Cisco's done a good job sort of baking that in for, for many years now. And so um, so that is that's great. And, and I want to bring this back around, you know, as we start to sort of wrap up here. Since this is a security podcast, we always like to kind of talk about security implications. And I know we mentioned it a bit already. But, you know, with in just the past week, right, we've seen the Colonial Pipeline situation. We've seen the East Coast people freaking out again, you know, toilet paper 2.0, right, this time at the gas pumps. And, uh, you know, we see everyone, you know, trying to run and fill up their cars, fill up their, you know, makeshift containers full of gasoline. It gets crazy. Um, but all jokes aside, you know, security is it's in the forefront. Right. And. You know, even even Colonial, they're like, hey, we were trying to, you know, hi- we we're trying to hire a cybersecurity manager, and you know, I don't, we don't all know why that didn't pan out. Probably because it's hard to find them, right? It's hard to find people who are really good at security and really know what they're doing. And so, to kind of tie that in with the DevNet certification, you know, you cannot have a secure environment if you're trying to do everything by hand, and you cannot have a secure environment if you're behind the eight ball, right? If you if you can't effectively manage and configure your devices, that means updates are going to be lagging. That means configurations are going to be inconsistent, or if you even know what they are, right? How are you supposed to know if you're impacted by a vulnerability if you don't know whether you got VPN on all your firewalls configured, right? I mean, so you pick the vulnerability, it almost always is configuration dependent, not always, but most often, right? Are, are we using the feature that that exposes us to this? And so there's all these questions that come up, and if, and if all you're doing is trying manage change requests, you know, or respond to fires, you're going to get caught, you know, unawares. You're going to get caught, you know, with your proverbial pants down, I guess, where you're just, you get, you know, you get in a situation where all of a sudden calamity strikes and you've got, you know, ransomware hitting your environment. You got people demanding, you know, $100 million or whatever it is, and you're in a terrible situation. So not to make people paranoid, but that's, you know, that's the future and that's the reality we already live in. And so, all of these these things that we t- cover in DevNet, the programmability, the configurability, the visibility, the monitoring, all of that has so much tie-in to security and, and the ability to keep tabs on your infrastructure, to be able to f- efficiently update it, effectively update it. And all of that is, you know, is huge. It's not just, you know, the traditional security aspects, right? A lot of security is really just keeping up with your stuff. And, uh, and DevNet really enables us to do that. And so for those of you who are like, I'm a security guy, why do I need to do all this API stuff? And why do I need to know about Python? If you're not already doing it, you're going to need to. And that's, you know, and that's why. While you were talking, Kevin, it just kind of like came into my head. I was thinking, I'm like, you know, they call them script kitties for a reason, right? You know, these hackers staying in mom's basement, they're using scripts to try to get into your network. I, You know, you really are going to have to start using scripts to keep them out. And, and that's kind of what popped in my head while you were talking about that. It's like, if they're using the scripts to get in, you might as well use some scripts to keep them out. Yeah, and, and like you were saying, like, Kevin, that... Um... If if you're a, if you're a core network guy and you don't want to get into the 
Python world or you you're kind of skeptical to get into the Python world. Um, I think one thing to note is that we've always been doing something, uh, something related to scripting, right? Just that you, the language you were using was CLI. You are just putting them together. It's it's nothing. It's nothing different. You're just making it more um, efficient, right? So I think uh, I think it's not. I think it's just a mind block for a lot of people because uh, I've had a lot of people come speak to me about. Uh, you know how they cannot do a DevNet certificate and how they cannot code, but I think it's all about just whatever you're doing, just put it in a box and run it together, right? Just run it more efficiently. That's that's about it, I think. And if if that mind blocks out, it's uh, it's much easier to get into that track as well, uh, and I think it's important in this in this age. Yes. Yeah, you know, change is always hard, and you know if <clears throat> if you, if you like, I mean, I love doing CLI stuff. I love logging into the router, conf t, blah, 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 blah. You know, that, that's like the old school, you know, way. I don't really like GUIs and, and API calls. If you're just doing one change, it feels clunky, right? Like, why do I have to, I got to do all this just to change one ACL? I could do that in two seconds, you know, CLI, boom. But, you know, so, you know, this is not, we're not saying you have to do everything with an API, but once you start doing it, like to your point, Prerna, like it, it be, it's a bit addictive because you see the potential, right? Once you start playing with it, give it a chance, have an open mind, you start to see, oh, wow, you know, it is nice to be able to do one script that takes five or 10 minutes versus logging into 500 routers and doing the same thing over and over and over and over, right? And it's only going to get worse. Like, you know, we just talked about you know, cu customers spinning up hundreds of ASAVs or FTDVs and, you know, routers, you know, out in the cloud and all this stuff. That's not going to, you know, get this work from home thing is here to stay, at least to an extent. You know, cloud environments are here to stay. The, the decentralization of networking is not going to go away anytime soon. And so it's, and it's likely to, to continue with the IoT, you know, back to what you were talking about, Nick. You know, we've got connected fridges, for goodness sakes. We've got connected power meters. <laughs> My dishwasher. Right? I mean, how are we going to, like, think about, like, I've got, I'm a network admin, right? And I've got 10,000 power meters on my network. If I work for AEP or, you know, some of these large, you know, energy providers, like, how, well, how are you going to manage that, right? you got to find a way to, to bring it to a, you know, to manage it in a way that's uh, palatable and, and, re and sustainable. And so, really, it's about efficiency. Um, when it comes to this, and and I know both of you love efficiency. I think most of our customers are pretty big on that too. The last thing you want to do is have this thirty, you know, three hundred ticket backlog of ACL changes and all this tedious stuff, right? We we are basically DevNet. If I could, I guess if I could sum it up in a word, is we are trying to automate away tedious tasks, right? We are trying to like cr crush the mundanity of our work. So. To me, that's exciting, right? Because the last thing we want to do is be sitting there doing day in, day out, mindless changes that we can automate away. So to me, it's an opportunity, and uh, I think it's pretty cool stuff. I think I think for for me, the the other thing too is I'm not 65, and I'm not trying to get out of networking anytime soon. I I love technology, and, and I think for our customers, uh, we issued 10,000 uh, DevNet certs uh, in the first year of its existence, and and that just shows you the relevancy. If you want to stay relevant, uh, it's just it's an area that. Um, you're just going to have to to learn unless you're looking to retire soon. I mean, it's just the way the industry's going with with that much energy. Ten thousand certs is a lot of certifications, so that's pretty awesome. 
and so that and that just speaks to you know that this is a this is a trend right this is not some small thing that's a lot of adoption and that's pretty that's a lot of early adoption and so you know, these are skills you know i was just talking to a customer today and i said hey what's one of the biggest challenges that you're facing like with your organization and they're like it's finding talent right it's, it's finding people who know this stuff who can get this stuff done so this is just and this i would argue that this sort of skill set the the knowledge of python apis programmability uh, just understanding how how this stuff's coming together and converging is going to be key in the next couple of years and so for those of you listening wondering you know if this is something you should dip your toes into absolutely i think the answer is yes emphatically i think no matter whether you're a seasoned software developer or whether you're a, a traditional network cli guru you know th that does it that way i think this is the trend moving into the future and you can certainly not go wrong by sort of diving in and, and getting some exposure to it. Do you have to get the expert level? Eh, maybe not, but <clears throat> being able to speak to it and knowing, you know, when you come across these situations, knowing that this is there, that this is an option, and that this is this should be something that should always be a factor in your decision-making, I think is really the, the takeaway. Well, in, in summary here, guys, thank you, Prerna. Thank you, Nick. You know, Prerna, it's great to have you on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, we haven't had a lady on our show for a little while, actually, so it's it's been refreshing in that regard as well. And uh, yeah, oh, yeah, nice. absolutely. We got we got too many we got too many dudes <laughs> in this industry, so it's it's always it's always refreshing to have you know have a have a lady join us for the podcast. So thank you for for joining us today. And Nick, um, thanks thanks again. Always you know love your energy and, and passion for the technology. And so thank you for joining as well to our listeners. We hope you've enjoyed this. We hope it's been helpful and just giving you some sort of real world insight into the DevNet, you know, world and the certification. We didn't, you know, go into a lot of details about the blueprint. We didn't want to bore our listeners with that, but we will have our show notes posted. So we will have uh, links to the various exams, the blueprints, all that good stuff. One thing we didn't mention is that uh, it, well, I think Perna, you mentioned this briefly, but developer.cisco.com has got tons of great information that's available. Uh, to the masses that will walk you through how to kind of start getting your hands dirty with this. The internet's got so much content, a lot of it is free. And so much of this learning can be done on your own. And so, you know, don't feel like you have to go to some expensive boot camp for a week or two that and pay thousands of dollars. There's a lot out there and you can really get some exposure and knowledge with very little, if any, upfront cost. And so just wanted to kind of put that out there. We'll have all the links to the various uh, developer.sysco.com links for the associate exam, the professional exam, the specialist exam, and, and some other topics that we, we see uh, as relevant. So check our show notes page for that. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Nick and Perna, any any other last words or thoughts you want to impart to our listeners? Um, uh, Kevin, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it was a real fun conversation. This is my first podcast, so it was, uh, it was fun for me. It was a new experience. And uh, for those of you trying to get your DevNet certificate, for sure it is. It is a must try, at least try and see what you can learn out of it. If, even if you don't clear it, it's fine. You, you still get some learning out of it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on this. Me as well, Kevin. I, I appreciate you and the invite and and uh, being able to participate. I remember being a, a listener before I came to Cisco I, when I was out in the gold partner world. Um, and I really enjoyed uh, 
the insight that people maybe can give you from the inside track. So it's, it's an honor to be a part of that. I wish everyone um, the best of luck as they join this uh, journey. Um, and hopefully we see another 10,000 uh, uh, DevNet search this year. That sounds good. Well, I'm sure after listening to this, everyone's going to go out and immediately go get their DevNet certification. So we'll see if we get at that milestone. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again to the both of you. We really appreciate it to our listeners. We hope this has been helpful and we will see you next time for the next edition of the Tax Security Podcast. Thank you all and have a wonderful day.